Hi, I'm Chuck. Here are a few things that you might need to know. again welcome to the show this is the chuck series companion i am the jaystrom and this is the second episode and we are doing season one episode two of chuck chuck versus the helicopter now before we get into that episode i would like to thank you for listening and hopefully you listened to our first episode chuck versus the intersect uh there were some things that i realize after I listened to it, I was like, oh, you forgot to say this, you forgot to say that. I have a feeling that might happen a lot. Like, I'll jot down some notes, but the one thing that I didn't mention in the first episode is Chuck's Tron poster. That was, like, the one thing that you identify with in that first episode. Like, dude has a Tron poster. I know he's cool. And I forgot to mention that. So, also, I briefly mentioned Tim Jones, but I wanted to... I wanted to give him his due, and I'll do that on this episode. Basically, Tim Jones is the heart of Chuck. I mean, I know Zachary Levi is the heart, Yvonne Strahovski's the heart, but what I'm saying is that without Tim Jones's music on this series, it would be completely different. His music is its own character. There's so many shows that you watch that have very moody type music, like one tone, like, you know, mostly like the CSI type of things. Uh, But Chuck's use of music is incredible. It's an adventure show. It's a comedy. And uh, the music is fantastic. The, The fact that there is no Chuck soundtrack available to buy is ridiculous because Tim Jones knocked it out of the park all five seasons and I'm not even sure if it was uh, I'm sure Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedak picked some of the music on the show or maybe picked all of it but the use of uh, songs by bands in the show was fantastic also but Tim Jones's music let's give credit where it's due the guy is awesome and uh, I think he deserves some applause I don't know about you guys but this guy I love the guy <laughs> Yes, very touching. That is Foggy on the soundboard. He plays uh, sound clips from time to time. And whenever I need a sound clip, he's there for me. So everybody, everybody give Foggy a round of applause. I'm not sure why his uh, applause was better than Tim Jones. But anyway, let's move on with things. Uh, One thing I wanted to get into before we get into Chuck versus the helicopter is to talk about Robert Duncan McNeil, who directed this episode. This guy is incredible. He was an incredible director. I believe he holds the record for the most episodes directed. And you may also know him if you're a Star Trek fan, especially Star Trek Voyager. He played Tom Paris on that show. He was the helmsman and medic of the USS Voyager. His rank was lieutenant, just so you know. 
I honestly, I sad to say, I did not watch Star Trek Voyager, but I do remember him from that show. You watch it from time to time, especially because Seven of Nine was on it and she wore a very tight suit. But anyway, that's besides the point. No, I'm kidding. Let's get into Chuck versus the helicopter. This was the second episode of season two. It, what's funny about this episode is that it's kind of... It feels like the studio, the studio heads or something, they were like, okay, you have to recap everything that happened in the pilot. Uh, a lot of people might have missed it, and they might want to jump on this week. Like, oh, my my friend said it was good, so I'll watch this week, even though I missed the first one. So you got to put a recap at the beginning. And boy, is there a recap at the very beginning of the episode, which is funny. One thing that I notice every time I rewatch this episode is that the cake song, short skirt, long jacket, still isn't on the show yet. And I'm always like, oh, yeah, that, that isn't in there yet. Uh, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> but that's how it happens. But uh, this is a, a fun episode. It, it's kind of like, you know what they call the sophomore episode? Like, okay, we watched the pilot. We liked it. Let's check out the second one. It's kind of like recaps everything. And it, it's kind of a weird precedence that we'll get into that never happens again, really. Well, there's times that Sarah Walker and... John Casey don't get along or something like that. But in this episode, it gets into, can they trust each other? Right when the episode begins, you hear the very recognizable drum beat to lust for life, uh, the Iggy pop song, but also it's Chuck running, Ewan McGregor running train spotting. I get that kind of reference there, which is kind of strange when you think about it, but it's actually kind of a cool idea. My name is Charles Bartowski, but you can call me Chuck. Those are my shoes. This is my life. It's filled with spies, car chases, computer-stealing ninjas, and me saving the day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I work at the Bymore. It used to be pretty boring. First of all, I love at the beginning also, we have Harry Ting again, and he's yelling at Chuck about uh, what morons <laughs> Jeff and Lester are. We get a large mart mention again, which was the next door neighbor of the Bymore. And we also have Morgan being kind of a jackass, wanting to pull off a magic trick. Chuck, get over here now. Look at this. What happened? Well, way to go, Jeff. You do realize we don't work for Large Mart. They're our competition. Can you imagine the shame if some Large Mart fiend or Costco stooge put out a display on our Buy More Green? Right, so this has to come down, right? Yesterday. <clears throat> I now present to you the magic of Morgan. This is my best friend Morgan. He is not a magician. What's funny about this episode is it's narrated by Chuck. Which I'm trying to think, I don't think ever happens again, except for when he says, Hi, I'm Chuck, and here's some things you might have missed at the beginning of the episodes. I think that's it. So this is kind of a weird thing with Chuck narrating, but he's trying to catch up to the audience that didn't watch the pilot. It's, it's kind of funny. Everything changed when I got an email from my old college buddy, Bryce Larkin. You see, Bryce had been working for the CIA when he stole a whole bunch of government secrets. Big, important secrets. Really scary, nasty, get-killed-for-having-them secrets. Next thing I know, these super secrets are downloaded into my brain. 
which means every moment of my life is in danger. The NSA sent their top agent to protect me. That's Casey. He's pretty scary. He works at Bymore now as a cover. So now I must defend the country from assassins, terrorists, and choplifters. No, 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 it's just a video game, okay? Lives are not in danger, and the country is still safe. This is, I think, the first time we see the buy more from an angle where we could see their other next-door neighbor, underpants, etc. It's kind of a large location for a place that only sells underpants, but maybe they have all kinds of underpants. We also get the introduction of the Wienerlicious, the new place where uh, Sarah works. And it, apparently it looks like she's not very good at her job. <laughs> Sarah is good at so many things, but apparently cooking wieners, isn't, she isn't so great at. Also, we get the beginning of a cool song by the band Spoon called Don't Make Me a Target. Spoon shows up several other times. They're a great band, and it's cool to be uh, introduced to them because this is where I first heard of the band Spoon from Chuck. What's cool is the song is called Don't Make Me a Target. It might be a little poignant here with what happens in the episode. Let's pay attention. Sarah? The CIA sent their top agent too. Oh yeah, I know. Believe me. She told me to trust her. But just like any woman, she's got a past. She's posing as my girlfriend. And another thing is this episode begins where uh, Chuck, of course, you know, he likes Sarah. She's beautiful, but he's still having trouble trusting her based on the last thing he flashed on in the end of the pilot, which was he flashed on her killing some people. So he's kind of entering this episode. Not sure about her, but boy, does he like her. So what, uh, what are you doing here? I work here now, Chuck. I burnt another batch. Why are you working here? Surveillance. I can monitor the Bymore from here while you work. It's just a cover. Chuck, you know, while it's interesting that Casey works at the Bymore and now Sarah works right across the way at the Wienerlicious, he's wondering, this, this Chuck doesn't want to have adventure. He doesn't want to be a spy. He just wants his life to go back to normal. And he wants to know, is there a way we can maybe get this thing out of my head? And it's funny because if you think about it, if that were to happen to you, it would be very intrusive because all of a sudden you're lying to your family. You can't tell them anything that's going on. It's classified. You when you can't escape it when you go to work because there's two agents watching you. So he just wants this out. And he wants to know, do we have... Is there a way this is going to happen? Because there's a plan, right? I mean, uh, you making gourmet wieners isn't exactly the reason why you joined the CIA. And Casey isn't a natural-born appliance salesman. And the whole kind of government secrets locked in my brain thing, uh, that's, I'm sure, not really a boon for national security. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll tell me that there's a plan. We have a plan. There is somebody who can help. We can discuss it further tonight. How about another date? I can pick you up at 8. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds... I'd like that. That sounds great. I'll talk... And it's funny, when she basically proposes that they go on a date and talk things out, it kind of shuts them up because, hey, that sounds nice, going on a date. Chuck needs a date. When Chuck goes home to Ellie to tell her about the date, she's just as excited as she was in the pilot, and she's there to help Chuck pick out an outfit again. Hey, sis, what do you think of this shirt? Another date with Sarah. This is very exciting. Well, see, it's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. She is hot. We have Morgan there also talking about how hot Sarah is, and then uh, Ellie's a little annoyed that she hasn't got to meet Sarah yet. And we see Morgan playing Gears of War, a game I played on Xbox, and it's pretty awesome. So there's a little reference there to some video games, which is pretty cool. You know what? I was thinking back to when I start the series over and I go back to the first season, there is this kind of nostalgia factor. I mean, 2007 is a while ago now, and I can remember when this first aired. I remember just being taken about how cool the show seemed. Uh, the Just the whole concept I really got into. It isn't until later in season two that I absolutely fell in love with the show. What's funny about Morgan in these early episodes is he kind of just seems like the third will, like big time. I don't think it's till like season two that they figure out something more for him to do other than just kind of being in the way or showing up when he's not invited. Like here, it's uh, you don't even know Morgan's in the room till he speaks up and Ellie, no wonder Ellie is so annoyed by him all the time. Wait a minute, Morgan has met her and I haven't? Oh. Yeah, he confides in me, Ellie. You know, he, he tells me his deepest, darkest secrets, which you could too, by the way. Here's one. I loathe you. That's not a secret. <laughs> I love that little joke there. You could tell me your secrets too. <laughs> Here's one. I loathe you. That's a pretty funny little thing there. And there's also a funny joke where uh, more, you know, she wants to meet, Ellie wants to meet Sarah and Morgan references the Tron poster. He's like, whoa, it's a little soon to see the Tron poster. I need to meet this girl. Tomorrow night, dinner, here. Oh, uh, whoa. A little too soon to be seeing the Tron poster, don't you think? Not exactly a natural aphrodisiac. Dinner, perfect, though. Okay, my schedule. I love the Tron poster there. I, I think it's been dry-mounted. Uh, what's funny is I worked in a frame shop for the longest time. Uh, hence, uh, on the last show that I did, I mentioned that I worked in a dead-end job for 13 years. It was a picture framer, and what we do to posters is stick them in a press on top of foam core and mount it on so it wouldn't be all wrinkled. So looks like uh, Chuck's uh, Tron poster there has been dry-mounted. Just a little uh, framing jargon for you there. And also, I talk about those years when I lived with my sister... Just so you know, I don't still live with my sister. <laughs> that was like in the 90s, like the mid-90s, I think. And uh, that was a long time ago. I'm married and I live with my wife and have a daughter now. Just so you know, I know this didn't need to be said, but just so you know, I'm not in my sister's basement with her family upstairs. Just so you know that. Okay, now let's cut to the Directorate of National Intelligence. This is our first introduction to General Beckman. As I said in the pilot episode, she's never identified as General Beckman, the last actress, but this is Bonita Frederici as General Beckman. Our most valuable secrets have been sent to an idiot. Or at least they weren't sent to his friend. 
And what's funny is about that scene is the first her first assessment of Chuck is that he's an idiot. And I love Tony Todd is like, well, at least they weren't sent to his friend, which is Morgan. And they're playing uh, Matador. You know, he's holding the red cape. And uh, <laughs> I guess Morgan's the bull. Operation Chuck. I can't believe this. I spoke with Agent Walker. She'll deliver Chuck to the rendezvous tonight. Good. Dr. Zarnow's on his way to L.A. now. He's our best, NSA's top scientist. Well, I hope we can fix this. And now Chuck is going to go on a date with Sarah, and the first thing he notices is her badass Porsche. Wow, Wienerlicious really pays well, huh? <laughs> uh, what, are we, uh, what are we doing? We're going to uh, like a movie or some dinner? Not exactly. What, what, is, what does not exactly mean? E- exactly. We're introduced now to Dr. Zarnow, Dr. Jonas Zarnow. He's an expert on uh, the brain and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll let uh, them explain it in the show. There's a doctor coming to see you, Chuck. He worked on the encoding process for the Intersect, the computer that Bryce destroyed, the one that's in your head. He's coming to examine you. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and does this examination involve say, I don't know, needles or perhaps probing of some kind? The doctor is our best shot at helping you. It's what you want, right? To get the secrets out of your head? Yeah, yeah, of course. But you, you still, you're still being very vague about the probing, and I'd like to know the answer to that. Chuck's really worried that he's going to be probed. What's funny about this scene also is that Chuck is shown a series of pictures that he... They're trying to test whether he can uh, decipher them. You know, like the intersect will decode what he's seeing. And there's a not too subtle lost reference here where he mentions flight A-15 was shot down, which I think is pretty funny. Because at this point in the show, 2007, I'm, they didn't reveal much of what had happened to Oceanic Flight 815, I think. Even if they did, we know it wasn't shot down. But it's funny having a lost reference in the show this early in Chuck's run. I mean, it's the second episode, and they're already kind of throwing in some little reference there for us geeks. Nerds, I'm sorry. When Dr. Zarnow shows up, he's wondering, why can't he see the test subject? It's because I need to protect the identity of the intersect. I don't understand why I can't see my patient. For your safety, we're keeping patient X's identity a secret. What does patient X work here? Patient X, who knows all the intersect secrets, works in a buy more. Ridiculous, of course. Yeah, totally ridiculous that Chuck would work at a buy more. After the town, the test will begin. Uh, dog. Uh, hippopotamus. Fat guy. Ugly building. Really beautiful woman at the beach. Cardinal One is the top Moscow spy in the White House office and set the override chain. The plot to assassinate President Carter was orchestrated by Edited in Northrop Davis voting computers has been approved by the DNC. Oceanic Flight 815 was shot down by certain work on subterranean capital beneath Denver International Airport as reached phase four. Benedictine agent. Well, of course, Dr. Jonas Arnau is completely impressed by Chuck's abilities. And I love that joke about, uh, oh, that's just a picture of a turtle. Okay, well, that's just a picture of a turtle. Your patient is phenomenal. We never imagined this. What didn't you imagine? One person seeing all the intersect images. 
all our secrets in one mind. Can you remove the secrets, Doctor? Yes, I think I can. And here Chuck gets his first bit of hope, thinking that, hey, this is all going to end. And it's kind of a bummer that he's just now getting to know Sarah. I guess he won't see her anymore. And, you know, as I was rewatching this, I was thinking, what if thinking about Chuck and Sarah's journey through the rest of the show, I was, you know, it's a little much to start thinking alternate realities. As I told you before, I was a huge Fringe fan. Fringe dealt with alternate realities and Chuck gets the intersect out of his brain and he goes on doing his job and um, Sarah goes on with her career and nothing would have ever happened. I guess that would have been a really boring show. (laughs) So why am I even thinking about that? So did I pass the test? You did great, Chuck. And this doctor guy, he can fix me or... Uh, he's hopeful. Yeah. Okay. But also, Chuck reminds Sarah that, hey, it's time to meet my sister and awesome. Oh, oh, uh, I almost forgot. Uh, dinner tomorrow night with my sister and her boyfriend, Captain Awesome. She really wanted to meet you, so. Oh, okay, well, that's a good idea. Uh, meeting the family is kind of a big step if our relationship were remotely real. <laughs> So, uh, if this whole examination thing, if it works out, then I guess we're through, huh? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good night. Good night. Oh, and, uh, just so you know, um, tonight was probably the best only second date I've been on in years. There's this moment where when Chuck walks away, Sarah continues to stare at him. And it's kind of like this ominous stare. First, it seems like, boy, I really like this guy. He seems like a nice guy. But then it kind of turns into this solemn look. Only briefly, because I'm wondering, once the Chuck Intersect program is over... Does she know what's probably going to happen to him? Are they just going to leave him be with all those secrets in his head? Or are they going to have to get rid of him? Is he going to have some kind of accident? Much like poor Dr. Zarnow. We know how Chuck felt about Bryce Larkin, and he learned in the last episode that uh, Bryce died. Now Ellie sees it in the paper that uh, Bryce has died, and it's interesting because it says that a bank executive dies in a robbery, so that's his cover. And uh, Chuck has to basically... Well, it's not his first lie. His first lie is that he has a date with uh, Sarah, (laughs) which is kind of true. You know, well, actually... I don't know. It's too hard to keep track of lies that Chuck will tell Ellie as his spy career goes on. But um, he's got to start lying to his sister. And this is one of the one of the early lies that he tells her is that he had no idea that Bryce was dead. 
Hey. Hey. Did you see this? What? Did you know that Bryce was dead? No, no, I didn't. Well, are you okay? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I, uh, I spent so much time hating him for getting me kicked out of Stanford. I don't know really how to feel, but it's hard to be mad at him now. I am really sorry, Chuck. <laughs> now with the scene of Zarnow, uh, Casey thinks he's been vaporized, which is kind of funny. And uh, Sarah, she finds what she thinks is the cause of the explosion, and it's a cell phone. And neither one of them is providing any kind of information to each other. You can tell that these aren't trusting partners. Like uh, they would have, she would have said, "Hey, look at this," and discovered something. But she doesn't trust John Casey at all, and he doesn't trust her at all. Well. No sign of anything here. It looks like we're sending the good doctor home in an ashtray. Okay, well, I've got hot dogs to fry. And I've got some toasters to sell. Feels like a CIA job to me. Keep your eye on Agent Walker. And don't let Chuck out of your sight. He could be next. So now Beckman thinks that uh, Sarah Walker, who's the CIA, by the way, you know, General Beckman's NSA, she knows immediately, don't let Chuck out of your sight and don't trust Walker. What's funny is Sarah has somewhat earned Chuck's trust. So when Casey approaches him and tells him, don't talk with uh, Walker anymore. Don't be alone with her. He automatically is like, uh, what? And he, you can tell Chuck doesn't want any of that. And it's kind of funny. By the way, let me just for a second talk about the Buy More. I love, and I, I love the Buy More location, the set. I love seeing games that I remember, like City of Heroes on an end cap or uh, the HDTVs. Back before I could even afford an HDTV, I would spend hours in a buy more. I mean, in a buy more. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I would spend hours in a Best Buy, which, of course, you know, uh, it's the buy more. And walking around looking at DVDs and movies with my buddy Steven walking around looking at the TVs. I wish I was a character in Chuck and I would just be the guy always looking at DVDs or games or staring at TVs that I would never buy because I never had the money to. Uh, it was so cool the day that I was finally able to buy uh, my first HDTV. And of course, you know, it was from a Best Buy. Or I like to think it was from a Buy More. I don't want you to have any more private meetings with Sarah. Hmm? Um, is there, is there a problem? No problems. Only solutions. Well, that sounds very much like the buy more customer policy that I've noticed you have some issue with. And Sarah messages Chuck on the computer that she needs to see him ASAP. And also, this is our first introduction, really, to spy gadgets on Chuck. We already had the cell phone bomb, which they'll explain more of that later, but we get some other things here as well. But I love how everything is rigged up where Sarah can get a hold of Chuck at any time. She can message him on his computer, which, okay, that isn't fancy spy gear. It's an instant messenger. But I love that he's being watched at all times. It's kind of funny. And of course, that'll be explored later in season one. And you know, uh, you know what I think we're going to do about that? We're going to do some role-playing and work on that attitude of yours. How about that? Hey, Morgan, 
Hey, there he is. There's my Johnny on the spot. Uh, Morgan and Casey, you guys are going to do some stuff. You're going to be a shopper and you're going to be the sales rep like you are. And uh, I'm going to go talk to Big Mike and, and work on some stuff because I know he's got other things in store. All right. And there's a funny joke set up here in this episode where uh, the young adolescents have discovered Sarah working at the Wienerlicious. And now it looks like they just love hanging out there and watching her do her thing, which is pretty funny. So, Chuck? No private meetings with Casey today. What? What is up with you guys? Did he tell you the same thing? Right, of course he did. Hold on a second. Is something wrong? The doctor from last night, he was killed in an explosion soon after he left us. What? What? The doctor who was supposed to fix me? Tell me what this is. A, a nasty NSA incinerator special issue designed to eliminate all biological traces that's what killed the doctor so Chuck learns that the doctor is dead and now he can't fix his brain and he was killed by, a, by an NSA incinerator which points right to Casey so now Sarah doesn't trust Casey and guess who works for the NSA why? Why would Casey? He's do that? a killer, Chuck. It's what he does for a living. He tried to kill us, and he'll probably try to do it again. Maybe it was orders. Maybe he didn't like the way Zarno looked at him. Oh, that's nice. I feel much better now, Sarah. What am I supposed to do? You go back in there and you pretend like you know nothing. Go. You can do that, Chuck. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. Got it. And there's, you know, the goofy gag with uh, Morgan trying to train Casey. And I'm like, Where, do you have any Ramon CDs? And he knocks them on the floor, and then he's like, oh, there's some Ramones on the floor. That always gets a chuckle out of me. Of course, Casey's not an idiot. He knows that Chuck went right to Sarah and talked to her. Now that Chuck doesn't trust Casey, now Casey's going to convince him that he can't trust Sarah. So it's just going back and forth. All right, so I'm going to try that again. Ready? Do you have any Ramones? No, don't say no. It's not going to Listen, okay. Uh, excuse me, John. How you doing? Do you have any Ramones here, dude? But don't tell me you don't have any. Casey, the the correct response is, can we order you the Ramones? Ramones, man. Ramones, okay? Just looking for little Ramones, man. Do you have Ramones? Because I love the Ramones and I want it to... Oh, that's a no on the Ramones, I guess. Okay, I don't think that's in the buy more manual. What did Sarah tell you? Hmm? I know you talked to her. It's what I do for a living. on the bottom shelf Ramones now before we get to the the awesome Casey and uh, Sarah Walker fight uh, I want to mention one thing that always cracks me up about Chuck you know I've of course I've professed how much I love the show you guys know I love the show and I know you do but it always cracks me up how they talk about the spire world and the intersect at the buy more where it seems like it would be loud enough for anyone to hear but they're all out of hearing distance i guess i mean morgan is right there on the floor and all of a sudden casey's talking to him about talking to walker and it's funny that throughout the series there's always those conversations that seem a little too loud but it is a tv show where you have to hear what is being said by the characters so it's kind of like, uh, you know, in cop shows, whenever someone's staking someone out and they're sitting across the street watching someone do something, don't you always think, well, can, why don't they notice that guy looking at them at the car across the street? 
It's just because they, they can't hear, they can't see them. Just like nobody in the Bymore can hear what they're saying. It's called suspension of disbelief, people. Now we have this fight between Casey and Walker. And I love that she uses corndog sticks. It's a pretty badass fight here. And we don't see them fight again for a long time. Because this is, uh, I guess you've got to do this episode. I mean, it is the second episode. But really what we want to see is the team. We want to see Sarah, Casey, and Chuck going on missions together. Fighting together. So we had to get this kind of untrusting episode storyline out of the way. And also it's hilarious. She's serving another pre-adolescent kid who's like, I love you. There you go. Hey. Bye. I love you. What'd you tell Chuck? That you're a cold-blooded killer. Was I lying? No. Way I figured the only two people that knew the doctor was coming are right here. Since I didn't cap him, you're under arrest. Wait, take the pick. So hot. Did you get it? Come on. Go put it on the internet. <laughs> I love those guys come in. Uh, they take a quick picture of her and they're like, come on, let's go put it on the internet. And of course you guys will notice that Sarah did pretty much kick Casey's ass. I mean, I know those guys walked in and kind of, uh, there's witnesses. So we had to get out of there, but she was winning that fight. Sarah's a badass. And there's this funny scene. We don't get a lot of Jeff and Lester in this episode. They're here and there, but there's this great moment where, uh, they get a call for the nerd herd and Lester goes, here you go, Chuck. And it's a Linux problem. And Jeff and Lester, they only do Macs. And I love how Lester kind of talks back to Chuck and Chuck kind of turns back like to say something. And Lester like just immediately goes, okay, okay. <laughs> it's hilarious. Mr. Bartowski. Hi, Lester. Uh, code Zebra. Linux installer, factory off Ventura, 142 Euclid. Uh, I'm sorry, why, why can't you and Jeff go? <laughs> Linux? PCs, we're uh, we're Mac guys, Chuck. We're uh, we're IT artists. Okay, yeah, uh, fine, whatever. I'll be back in half an hour and uh, just tell Casey that I'm on myself. <laughs> you tell him, not your servant. Okay, you know what? No, no. I mean, I'm going to tell him. I just, didn't, I mean, in general, I don't always. I'm, I, absolutely, I'm going to. Right now, should I tell him? I love that bit. So then we find out that Chuck isn't on a real nerd herd call for some Linux stuff, Linux computer. I, I, guys, I've never had a Linux computer, so what could go wrong with a Linux computer? But uh, Chuck gets uh, bumped into by Casey. Hello? Pull over. Well, I can't pull over. I have a home install at... Uh... 142 Euclid? Guess who called that in? Oh, my God. It was you. And I love immediately Chuck is like, wait a second, uh, you, you're the killer and you're here to kill me. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then they have a funny little uh, car chase here in the nerd herd mobile. You killed the doctor. Now you're here to kill me. Casey explains to Chuck, Sarah's gone rogue. She killed the doctor and she tried to kill me. 
because Chuck sees uh, Casey's face. He's all beat up. And the first thing Chuck says isn't like, oh, my God, or we got to get away from her. It's like, is she okay? <laughs> I love that. That always makes me laugh. What? 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 What happened to you? Your girlfriend happened. What, who, Sarah? She's rogue, Chuck. She killed the doctor, then she tried to kill me. Is she okay? Yeah, I'm golden. Thanks for asking. No, no, no. Why should I believe you? She showed me the bomb. She said you did it. NSA incinerator, right? It's a nice explosive. Easily purchased on the black market. What do you really know about Sarah, Chuck? Huh? Think. She's CIA. She worked with Bryce. He was rogue. Maybe she is too. She found you in L.A., but she couldn't grab you because I was around. So she had to wait her chance. Dr. Zarnow screwed that up. He could pull those secrets out of your head, then she'd lose the intersect. We also get to see Chuck's very dated cell phone here, which seems pretty cool, I mean, for what it is. But what I love is over the course of Chuck, between the beginning and all uh, in the early days when they have flip phones, etc., then all of a sudden Chuck's got an iPhone. So, you know, that's when the iPhone hit. And let's see, uh, so this was early 2007, so obviously this show filmed before 2007, or at least, I have no idea what time they started filming the pilot or the early episodes, but the iPhone came out in January of 2007, this episode aired in September, so you will see how like in these early episodes, everyone has flip phones or these other kind of phones, whatever the hell Chuck's phone is. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Chuck's got an iPhone. So, of course he would. Come on, they sell them at the Buy More. Wouldn't you pick one up? I'm sure, pretty sure everybody else did. Of course I didn't. I didn't have the money, guys. It took much longer for me to get a smartphone. Thought I'd turn that off. Well, it's not me. Is it yours? <laughs> and there's a moment where... <laughs> You know, Casey snatched Chuck's phone out of his hand and he shut it off. So as soon as they get in the car, the phone is ringing again. And he's like, I thought I turned that off. And I love the gag here. I love like delayed bomb jokes or repeating jokes and stuff like that. But I love the joke that the bomb, they're like, oh, it's an NSA incinerator. Get out of the car. So they run and they stand there and nothing happens. And then wait for it. So now we cut back to Ellie and Awesome, and of course Morgan will show up, and uh, we get to see how nervous Ellie is about meeting Chuck's new girlfriend. By the way, whenever I see moments where Ellie is cooking, it always makes me hungry. I would love to come over for dinner sometime, but I was never invited. You're nervous cooking, babe. Relax. Devin, this dinner has to go out. It's going to go awesome. You don't know Chuck. He freaks out when he likes a girl. Man, ain't that the truth, huh? You know, practice makes perfect. And I love when Morgan shows up. She's Ellie's like, how did you get in here? He's like, Chuck's window, which is funny about um, this episode, because already we've seen flashbacks to the pilot. Again, like I said, this episode is kind of for people who miss the pilot, which is strange. I know, but it, was it some kind of mandate from the network that you got to recap everything from the first episode? We already know that. Morgan comes in through Chuck's window and Ellie would know that by now too. You would think it in this 
time that she would have seen Morgan coming in the house many times over the course of, uh, you know, Morgan's friendship with Chuck. So this is kind of like for the new audience, like, Hey, how did Morgan get in there? But it's still funny because I love the scenes where Ellie is loathing Morgan and that's kind of his character in the first season. How did you get in here? Uh, Chuck's window or as I like to call it the Morgan door. And now things are looking tough for Sarah because it looks like she planted the bomb. Still think it was me? Why would Sarah do this? She's cleaning the operation. Cleaning? Eliminating everyone she's come in contact with. You know where she is? And Chuck automatically recollects that, Sarah, she's coming over for dinner. We have to get back to my house. She's having dinner with us tonight. Not, kid. You're on the next plane to Washington. But my sister... doesn't have a supercomputer in her noggin. You're the priority. And then we get Gnarls Barkley's version of Gone Daddy Gone, which whenever I hear now, dude, it reminds me of Chuck. It's a Chuck song. Again, the way that Fedak and Schwartz use music in their show is awesome. It always works for me. So then Chuck shows up. He's acting so strange to everybody. Whenever you get the whole cast together on this show, it's fantastic. Whenever you get... You know, Ellie, Awesome, and Morgan with Chuck while Sarah and Casey are there. I love it. And it's always fantastic. And this is a great example, this whole dinner scene. Chuck, where have you been? Hi. Are you, uh, you surprised to see me? What? <laughs> and Chuck, you know, at this point, he thinks Sarah planted the bombs. I love that. Are you surprised to see me? Where's Casey? I don't know. Maybe he's having some car trouble. Everyone okay? Yeah, just a little hungry, dude. You're late. And dirty for my taste. And then, you know, Ellie makes the goofy joke. Your girlfriend. And your girlfriend has been just nothing but mean to me. Huh? Oh. Ha. Look out for her. So, I'm glad everyone's getting along so well. Yeah, your sister is awesome. Indeed. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we actually go out, huh, for pizza or something? Someplace public uh, with lots and lots of people around? Uh, Chuck, I've been cooking all day. And we'll learn over the course of the series that Morgan's favorite cooking is always Ellie's cooking. Uh, Yeah, cooking pot roast, dude, which is... My favorite. Manja, manja, let's see. I love the scene also because, you know, everybody's just making small conversation, but Chuck the entire time is terrified, just staring at Sarah, wondering what's what's going to happen. <laughs> Are they all in danger? It's, it's pretty funny. I love the energy. And can you say enough about Zachary Levi and his acting ability and his, the physical nature of his comedy is always fantastic. This looks delicious, Ellie. Oh, it was nothing. So, Sarah, let's turn this up a notch. Personal style. Tell us something about yourself. Well, I'm originally from D.C. I just moved here. Oh, Chuck had a friend who lived in D.C. A, a former friend. 
And then it's uncomfortable because the subject of Bryce comes up. And we know, well, Chuck knows that Bryce was Sarah's partner, but he also knows that she knew him and Morgan's talking bad about him. But we also know that she was in love with Bryce. So it makes it even more uncomfortable. So Morgan, shut up. You know, former, because A, he was a jerk, and B, he's, well, he's dead. <laughs> the girl Chuck was dating before you, he stole her. Oh, I just don't know how anyone could choose Bryce over Chuck. And then another moment, great moment happens when Casey shows up. Hi, I'm John Casey. I just moved in upstairs. I thought I might bring something over. Huh? Oh, come hey. in. Chuck, you didn't tell me you're bringing another friend. Hey, hi. Yeah, I, t- I totally slipped my mind that my friend, John Casey, was coming over and we work at Buy More together. Morgan, you know John. And it's funny because Morgan is not happy to see Gacy at all. Because earlier, you know, he shoved him down by the face on the floor. And we also learned that Casey not only works at the Buy More, but he also lives in the same apartment complex as Chuck. Pull us down like that again. I'll kill you before she can. <laughs> you kidder. Right. Chuck, we're going to need another chair. Okie dokie. You know what? I'm crashing the party. Maybe I should. I'll get it. <laughs> Chuck doesn't just flash on pictures. He also can flash on just hearing the name of something, hearing a voice. Basically, uh, anything that Chuck hears or sees, he can flash on that's in the intersect. Elias was Alana Truffaut. They were poisoned at dinner. Hey, sis. So Chuck has learned that Sarah killed these people by poisoning them. And uh, just a little side note here is uh, this is the first time you notice Chuck doesn't just have a Tron poster in his room. He has an old boy poster. How cool is that? For years, uh, my friend Bill told me, dude, you got to watch old boy. Got to watch old boy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I never got around to it. But seeing old boy on Chuck's wall, I knew that, okay, if Chuck likes old boy, I'm going to watch it. And if you haven't seen old boy, you need to watch it. And I'm not talking about the Spike Lee remake. I'm talking about the original. Check it out on Netflix if it's still on there. I don't even know. I have no idea if it's still there. But if it isn't, check it out somewhere else. Old boy. Chuck Bartowski vouches for it. Come on. He has the poster on his wall. And Ellie is just so impressed by Sarah. She likes her immediately and they hit it off, which is great. Except for the fact that she's poisoned a group of people. Wow. Chuck. Wow. I mean, I knew that you had it in you, but she is... Oh, she is... Wow, she's really great. Yeah. She's unpredictable. Hey, listen to me. You have no reason to be nervous, okay? Now, you have a great girl out there. I mean, she even made dessert. Dessert? Yeah. Oh, dessert. (laughs) And this is great, too, because now that Chuck knows she made dessert and she poisoned people, how is he going to keep everybody from eating it and dying? Dessert. Poison. Don't freak out. Stop! We... We didn't do a toast. Yet. Which which I'll do. Right now. Yeah. Uh... So I'd like to propose a toast. To my sister. To my sister and and to, uh, to a meal that looks so great. And Devin, you're great. Yeah. And Sarah... And Sarah, for a great dessert. 
and Dijon Casey and, and, his, and, his, and his many quiches, which mm-hmm. are equally mm-hmm. as great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Morgan loves John Casey's mini quiches. <laughs> now, what about me, John? For what? And to Morgan for his great comic timing. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Cheers. Going back to the beginning of the episode when Morgan tried to pull the tablecloth out from under the CDs, now we have Chuck ready to pull the same trick. And this is a great gag. I love it. It makes me laugh every time. It's funny because over the course of the entire run of the series, when you come back to this, you're like, wait, what happens here? And you kind of have to remind yourself what happens. That's what's great about so much of Chuck is that even it doesn't matter how many times you've seen the episodes, you kind of lose track of things that happen. You're like, and you can still be surprised by things that happen. And, and I swear, I still laugh at the same things each time. You know, that souffle does look amazing. No, you're right, honey. I can't even... Wait! 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 Who likes magic? I do! I know a trick. Chuck? (gasps) Oh, Chuck, what are you doing? Voila! (sighs) Whoa, Chuck, that was... I knew you could do it, man. Flambe. And I love when Ellie gives Chuck a hard time. Like, you never... Chuck, no matter how stressed out you are, it is never okay to murder a woman souffle. Um, you know what? Let me talk to him. Uh, Can you tell me exactly what Casey said? Nothing, everything is okay. And Awesome thinks they're having makeup sex in the bathroom. Like, why would that be appropriate, Awesome? Makeup sex. Nice. What did he tell you? That you killed Dr. Zarno and poisoned a bunch of French diplomats? <laughs> you're blaming me for Zarno? If you're planning on hurting me, even to prove a point, I think you should know I have a very low threshold for pain. <laughs> and you believe Casey. Tell me about the French diplomats. They were French assassins and they were after me, but I got to them first. And you know what? I'm kind of glad that I did. Chuck, do you really think that my name is Sarah? I never asked you to believe me. I asked you to trust me. This doesn't make sense. If Casey didn't kill Zarno, then... What are you doing? I have to go. There's a moment here where Sarah realizes, wait, if Casey didn't do it, she knows she didn't. So who did it? And she leaves abruptly. Who does she suspect at this point? I don't know. Or I'll never know. Does she suspect Zarnow? Because he died. It's funny that she has this moment of like, okay, I got to get out of here. Maybe she needs to get to the bottom of things. Or does she suspect that maybe his death wasn't what she thought it was? I'm sorry. I have to go. But dinner was wonderful. Gotta go. Be back. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I better be going, too. Uh, This has been great. Thanks. (laughs) I love when uh, Morgan, he uh, collects his doggy bag and goes out the window. Mm, I think that went well. You know, not great, but I think it went well. So, uh, I'm going to make a little doggy bag and uh, head out my Morgan door. How about that? Sounds good? Super. As Sarah's leaving, we hear her get shot, it sounds like. You know, we hear that familiar... of silencer and we see it's Dr. Jonas Zarnow and he's got this weird looking dart gun. It looks like a Han Solo's blaster from star Wars, like a giant version of it. It's kind of cool looking actually. And he shoots Casey too. So it's, uh, so it's Chuck and Casey to the rescue. 
but it's a hindered Casey. Zero, wait. You stay inside. Do what I say. Do you think we were wrong? Don't move. Zarno? Oh, good to see you again, Agent Casey. Oh, my God. Yep. We were wrong. And I love that Casey finally admits he was wrong. And it's funny how early in the series also that Chuck is such a uh, wimp. He's such a pansy at times. Like pulling out a dart is just like so gross to him. And it's just a little too much. Casey, he's got Sarah. We got to save her. Brilliant deduction, Nancy. True enough. Pull out the tractor. Ah, oh, I have a, a very strong aversion to needles. Do it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Ah, ah. Uh, that was the doctor, right? He's probably not dead. The sun sets in the west. Nothing gets by you. One, two, three. What's he going to do with Sarah? He's going to torture her till she tells him all about you. So they know that they need to track down Sarah. Zarnow has her, and she's most likely going to be tortured. And uh, John reveals that he put some... <laughs> I've re- he put some trackers in the mini quiches, and he can it will lead him right to Sarah. I love the idea of these little microtransmitters in everyone's uh, bodies and everyone's stomachs now who ate them at the dinner. Where are we going? I laced my quiches with microbots. You're not kidding, are you? I don't kid about quiche. (laughs) I love that line about, I don't kid about quiche. And we also see that the nerd herd mobile has been decked out with cool spy gadgets. How awesome is that? Trace him using the car's tracker. Yeah, I, I think that only comes in the sports package. You need some enhancements. When your car was in the shop, we've got a signal. Let's go. And I love the idea that Morgan, wouldn't you do it too if you worked at the Buy More and you had this home theater room all to itself at night? Wouldn't you take dinner and watch some movies there? Of course you would. And Morgan has figured that out. I've always wondered that. Do you think the guys at Best Buy in the Magnolia area, they do that? They've got to. You've got all that home theater equipment. You've got the speakers. Crank it up, man. I would have screened so many movies in there. It's Morgan. He ate your quiches. You're on the wrong trail. But why would Morgan watch them? <laughs> that I don't know. We'd have to ask Morgan. Well, just when Casey's, you know, he's ready to give up on Sarah, he can't find her on the tracking system. Much like what happened in the pilot with Chuck disarming the bomb, he figures out how to find Sarah. We already know this about Chuck, but what it's revealing to us is that he's a really smart guy and he's pretty good at figuring things out. I got nothing. What do you mean you have nothing? What do we then? What do we do? It's over. She's gone. No, 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 no. Okay, this is our fault. We didn't believe her. Now we have to save her. Look, if you were a bad guy, what would you do? Fly Sarah out on a plane? Would you use a boat or a, 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 a what? Chopper. Small airfield near the water. Closest I can find. Then do do a satellite search using the touchscreen. 
and then maybe limit that to airfields that are, are within a certain range of us, and then maybe limit that by if there's activity on the ground. That's not bad. Thanks. Yeah, I was just kind of, you know, spitballing, just kind of top of my head. I was thinking, you know, found it. Port of Los Angeles. Florida. Okay. And here is just the first of many times we get to hear Chuck being told to stay in the car. I'm going to go over there, rescue Sarah, capture Dr. Zarno, shoot anybody who gets in my way. You, you're going to stay here. So in this plan, I basically do nothing? Yep. As bad guys go, Zarnow is pretty lame in the uh, echelon of Chuck villains. But hey, it's it's a start, okay? In the first episode, we had that uh, the assassin with the bomb, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure got away with it. They never caught the guy. And now in the second episode, we have Zarnow. But really, this is just setting up trust issues between the team. And we have to get through this to have the team that we now know and love. So it's okay. The main thing I love about this episode is how pissed Sarah is at Chuck. He comes to rescue her, but she's just pissed because he will not listen to her. He's important. He has all this stuff in his head, important data, but he keeps ignoring what she says to protect him. And he keeps getting into trouble. Are you okay? What are you doing? Stupid question. Okay. Uh, ch- should I? Chuck, you have to get out of here. No, I'm here to save you. You shouldn't even be here. You're too valuable. And besides, I have this well in hand. Uh-huh, yeah, because it looks well in hand. Okay, just find me something to pick this lock. And Chuck may be there to rescue Sarah, but he gets captured very easily at the side of needles, which they already, you know, which we've already been told by Chuck that he doesn't like needles. We're going to a special facility where they're going to torture you. Really torture. Not this child's play. Or you could just tell me who is patient X. (laughs) But one thing that's funny is that uh, Chuck totally gives himself away when he sees the needle about to poke into Sarah and he says out loud, Oh crap! Something for the fight. Oh crap. And then Chuck immediately reveals that he's the intersect because he flashes on Zarnow and fills us in on why Zarnow is such a bad guy. I know you. I know your secret. You, you've been feeding American science through North Korea for years. Ah, patient X. To think that my secrets are in that head of yours. It's an honor, really. Of course, to hell with honor. I'm here for the impressive dollar figure the human intersect will fetch. Who will I offer you to first? Don't worry, Agent Walker. I'll take good care of him. I love that Chuck is saved by his pocket protector, but uh, when Chuck pulls the gun on Sarnow and the pilot, I love how uh, Zarnow's like, come on. <laughs> Zarnow's demeanor is actually pretty funny. You must be kidding. I want you to land the helicopter right now. It's heavier than you thought. What? The gun. It's heavy. 
Give me back the gun. I'm not giving you the gun. Shut the pilot, you idiot. I didn't mean to do that. This whole scene where Chuck is in the helicopter... Hence Chuck versus the helicopter. He's on his own. He's trying to pilot this helicopter so he doesn't die. And it shows how Casey deals with the situation and how Sarah deals with the situation. Uh, Casey's yelling at him. Do you want to die? And Sarah is more subtle. Told you to stay in the car. You know what? Forget about the car. Tell me how to fly a helicopter. All right. There's a collective and the cyclic control. What? One's the stick, one looks like an emergency brake. Grab a ball. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got him, I got him. Oh, oh my God, oh my God, this is not working. Push the stick just a bit forward while doing the same thing with the emergency brake. Ground not good. Pull up, pull up, pull up on the emergency brake. Moron, do you want to die? Casey, put Sarah on the phone. Give me the phone, Casey. Sarah is so smart. She uses his knowledge of video games to help him. Because we all know as video game players that we can use what we learn in video games and translate it to real life. People who don't play video games, they don't know that. Uh, have you ever played any flying games before? Flight simulators? Yeah, flight simulators. Yeah, sure. I've, I've done those. Yeah. Okay, which ones? Uh, Maverick of the Skies, uh, Stealth Fighter Elite, uh, Apache Chopper Patrol. Great. Okay, now remember that last one. I want you to pretend like you're playing that game, okay? You're just in your bedroom, you're playing a game, and none of this is real. It's just a game. It's just a game. Okay, I can do this. I can play this game. Easy, Chuck, easy. Uh, uh, is this one of those helicopters that can turn into a boat? No, it isn't. Just ease to the right and goose the brake. They designed the game exactly like the helicopter. I got it. I got it. Almost there. A little more to the right. Easing right. Easing right. Goose to the brake. It's just a game. A big, scary video game. I have no idea if Apache Chopper Patrol is real, but I doubt it. But I love how excited and just victorious Chuck feels by his accomplishment. And that is how I do that! (laughs) But it doesn't matter how excited he is because Sarah is still pissed at Chuck for not trusting her. Remember at the end of the pilot, she said, just do one thing, trust me. Go team. Seriously, Sarah, up top on that one. Palms are a little sweaty, but... What the hell were you thinking? Clammy hands. Got it. No good. Chuck, the secrets that you know are incredibly important. You compromised everything when you stopped trusting me. And when you got out of the car. Listen, I'm... I'm sorry, okay? No, it is not okay. How could you think I was the double, huh? You know, I am not Bryce. Bryce betrayed everything that I believe in. And if you ever accuse me of that again, then I will walk away. Mission over. We all go back to Washington. And you do not want that to happen, Chuck. That you should trust me on. Way to go, Ace. Now, the episode ends with Bryce's funeral. And they play this great song by the New Pornographers, which is a band, guys. Okay, that's their name. 
and it's a song called Challengers. It's a great song. Just another band Chuck introduced me to. reference to Chuck's father. The only suit that Chuck owns is his dad's. Dad's suit? Yeah. It's my only one. I'm quite certain he wouldn't mind, though. You realize that you don't have to go to Bryce's funeral. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. We had a lot of history. Even if he did get me kicked out of school and steal my girlfriend. Well... You've moved on to bigger and better girls. I don't really mean bigger, like literally bigger. I just mean that um, but I really like Sarah. And I hope you guys work things out before the next dinner party, of course. I don't know. I don't know, sis. I, I look, I, I really think I blew it. Chuck, just try apologizing. It goes a long way. And there's a great moment with Ellie and Chuck there where she basically tells him, don't let go of Sarah. She's special. And when he's there at the funeral... He sees just how broken up she is over Bryce. Sarah's special. And you live with She's different from your Stanford friends. I live with somebody to leave her yeah. Yeah. Safe, and there's a great moment here with uh, General Beckman reading the report of Chuck flying a helicopter. He flew a helicopter. Your report was rather terrifying, Major Casey. Do we really have this situation in hand, or should Mr. Bartowski be in our care full-time? Well, you know how I feel, General. But for now, we're in control. Then Chuck stays where he is. But uh, don't get too comfortable, Casey. She reveals that a new intersect is being built. It's going to be about six months. Casey, curious, asks her, so what's going to happen to Chuck when that happens? And she pretty much spells it out for us, what's going to happen to Chuck. So it's kind of scary. The new Intersect will be up and running in six months. And what happens to Chuck when this is done? Well, you'll do what you do best. Now, at the end of the episode, Chuck comes to apologize to Sarah for not trusting her, accusing her of being a traitor, etc. And this is the first time we hear Tim Jones's Chuck and Sarah theme. When I watched this episode again, I was like, wow, I didn't realize it came into the series that soon. I thought... Maybe over time this would be introduced, but nope, it's in the second episode. And it's a great theme. It's really beautiful playing in the background. Look, I'm not accusing you of anything today. Uh, Yesterday, yes, I may have laid it on a little thick with the accusing. But I'm really sorry about that. Instead of not trusting you, I should have been thanking you for saving my life and protecting the country and, 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 and making really tasty gourmet wieners. I'm sorry I yelled at you. It was our first fight. You know, it's a, it's a big step if, if our relationship were remotely real. You know, with Dr. Zerno gone, Chuck, those intersect secrets aren't going anywhere. That means more missions, more danger, more secrets that you can't tell your sister or your friends. I know that. 
Some people want to be heroes and others have to be asked. So, Chuck, are you ready? I love that she asks him, are you ready to be a hero, Chuck? And he's he's very reluctant, which he is in season one. But Chuck does warm endings better than any show ever. When Ellie, Awesome, and Morgan show up again, which I love. I almost picture like Morgan in the Buy More seeing Ellie and Awesome pull up like, hey, what are they doing? And they walk towards the Wienerlicious and he's like, hell, I'm going over there too. And he shows up and they're going to do a whole new dinner. And I love that. Um, I know I say I love this, I love that so much, but you guys, I'm doing this podcast. You know I love the show, right? And I appreciate all these great moments, like the fact that they're there to eat dinner at the Wienerlicious, and Sarah gives Chuck a charred corn dog to eat. It's a great way to end the episode, and I love it. Oh, I said it again. Hi. I hope we're not interrupting anything. Uh... By the way, I, I thought we'd give that dinner another shot, maybe here. We knew you'd forgive him. Uh, right, and you realize that you all have to eat my cooking. Do the 411 and the corn dogs. <laughs> what do you think, man? You recommend, buddy? Sarah? Oh, you're Sarah. Okay. Cheers. Well, guys, that was episode two of season one of Chuck. Chuck versus a helicopter. And I think I will go have some corn dogs for dinner, but hopefully not charred ones. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. It was fun going over this episode, and I can't wait to take on the next one. If you dig the show, you like it, uh, send me some feedback. Send me an email at nimpodcast at gmail.com. And I also have a voicemail number. One two zero six three zero nine four seven two nine. You could send me a voicemail, but also you could always record a uh, message and attach it in an email, and that's a cool way of doing it too. On your smartphone, your iPhone, whatever, your NSA incinerator. No, hopefully not that. But uh, guys, I love this show so much, and hopefully you do too. And if this, if this is the first time you're watching it. I hope you're digging it. But keep going. The show gets better and better. And um, I love the show, and I love what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep going. So let's move on to the next episode. All right, everybody. See you next time. Who likes magic? I do. Now this is podcasting. podcasting.